going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Yes, I went back to 1974 this morning to the debut self-titled album by Kiss. This is Strutter. And back in the saddle with me, Troy. How you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah. Well, I'm, I hate that you've been going through these things. We don't have to go into dirty details, but with your back, I hate it. Yeah, me too. I, God, man. Yeah, if I ha- if I never have to get another epidural, I'll be. I think that would be. Yeah. Great. Yeah. That sounds the way you described it sounds terrifying. And yeah. it's weird how. Uh, Certain medical procedures, if you weren't consenting, would literally be torture. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's the old, uh, there's a book called, I think, On Mortality, Christopher Hitchens wrote. It's a collection of a few essays as he was sick with throat cancer and dying. And he made it, he's like, I wonder how many jokes these nurses have heard now. This will just be a little prick. Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, it won't. Yeah. Uh. It's like when they did my eyes. Oh, it'll just be a little pressure. They use pressure now. Yeah, it's yeah. a little that pressure. Pressure is in vogue. Or no, it'll feel more like my eyeballs being sucked out of my head and my skulls being crushed. Mm-hmm. Not painful, just a little uncomfortable. We're going to tell you what's going to happen in this LASIK procedure, but we're going to neglect to mention the smell of cooking flesh that's oddly <laughs> reminiscent of bacon. That's your eyeballs. That said, I highly recommend it if you're eligible. Oh, yeah. It's light. We've both had LASIK. Yep. Life-changing experience. It's been a couple years for me. I still have 2015 vision. Likewise. I mean, it's only been a few months. Now I'm past the point where I have to be, like, real careful. Yeah. With, like, water and these sort of things. Yeah. But, so. You know, you, you, can, you can fart. Yeah. Without having to worry. Yeah. That was an issue for the first few weeks. And that's why I stayed away from hot sauce. Did your, did your tolerance go down? It did, and I reignited it. I went to, uh, surprisingly, one of the hottest sauces available just to purchase like from a food joint around here. I mean, there is Buffalo Wild Wings Mango Habanero. Good Lord. It's so hot. It's so hot. But it's so good. I got yes. that the other day. It's I, that, I, I forget. It's like yeah. Lewis Black with candy corn. Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's hot. But the one I did this weekend, because honestly... And we should have told you about it. John Hales had an engagement party oh. here in Montgomery. And I uh, I wasn't driving, so I drank a lot of beer. And I was a little... I hadn't been hungover, properly hungover, in a year or two. And uh, 
I like. It's a new routine for me because it's not really the headache. You knock that out with some Aleve. That's not a big deal. Drink water, have some Aleve. It's the congestion that gets me. So I like to get really hot sauce and just kill that congestion. Mm. And so I went with the Zaxby's Insane Sauce. Whew. Yeah. They, they add a bunch of stuff to that. It's, it's like chalky. It's bad. Yeah. Like, but in a good way. Oh, I, I hated it. Yeah, well, it hurts, and then I get a buzz from it. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, I, I like chasing the dragon. So when I first got the LASIK surgery, none of that. Because I was blowing up the bathroom. Yep. I'm sure everybody within the sound of my voice <laughs> on the radio wanted to know that I was blowing up the bathroom. But I did have the squatty potty. Made it a little, a little smoother. Things would have a bit more swimmingly. I'm sorry. The, the, the squatty potty. Is that a technique? No, it's a, it's a um, product. It's a simple product. Yeah, it's like um, it's like contoured to the bottom of a toilet, and it's just a little step. So instead of the normal position where you're hunched over a little bit, you just step your feet up onto the squatty potty, and it gets you in a position where everything's aligned. It's smooth. You don't have to strain. Just let nature do its work. Wow. It's amazing. And it's cheap. I'm giving them a free plug. I love the squatty body. That it's, is... Uh, yeah. I didn't think we would start off talking about farts and LASIK and epidurals and squatty bodies, but it's good seeing you, man. I have a confession to make. Mm-hmm. I told you a couple months ago that I would not be watching the World Cup. <laughs> I have watched the World Cup. First, I said, you know what? I'll watch it at work. That way, I'll get paid to watch soccer, and I could still do my little childish protest because I hate Russia. Right. I did that. It worked for a day. Mm-hmm. Then I just started watching at home. And it pulled you back in. Now, was that, I'm trying to remember, the reason you were going to protest the World Cup was because it was in Russia? Yeah. And that held for about a day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it didn't even last. Well, I, I haven't missed a game. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just put it like that. I haven't missed a game. I mean, we can't be that mad at them for annexing Crimea. The rest, I mean, that's that's just foregone. Like, I actually was reading a fascinating thing because I'm kind of preparing myself with background information for this Helsinki summit Trump's going to do with Putin. And like, we ha- what have we heard recently about Syria? Not much. Um, let's see. The most recent thing I heard was that Turkey said that they will give aid to somebody, but the way that they usually give aid, it's casting a shadow over how they do it because it's well, they want it. They're after the Kurds, the, the poor Kurds. Well, and there's a website, and it's all the scholars, former ambassadors, people that really know what they're talking about when it comes to the Middle East, Middle East Policy Council. And they have out today this great primer just introduction to what has russia done in syria since 2015 where are they right now and the conclusion the bottom line is they've kind of backed themselves into a corner yeah they okay so they thought they could have good relations with turkey after they shot down a jet and oh turkey and russia will be aligned a little bit but no that's not going so well because turkey would like to see actually assad brought down a peg also, Russia's aligned with the Iranians, using them for ground forces in Syria. So, is Russia really using them for manpower on the ground, or are the Iranians really using the Russians for air power? 
which brings Israel into the fold because Russia likes having a good relationship with Israel because they are a nice bridge to the West. They give Russia the infrastructure and technology they need. So Russia's kind of in a difficult... We're in a tough spot. Damn, we're in a tough spot. They've done one thing right, hmm. and that's prop Assad up. That's Simply because it. there's no better option right now than Assad. Right. That's it. The instant something better comes along that is not another ISIS, Assad is gone. And I mean... Gone. Gone. Like, we'll see video cameras of people shoving... Like a bayonet up the booty like Gaddafi. Yeah. Yeah. The man's going to need a squatty potty. <laughs> I don't know if a squatty potty can fix that. Well, it's good. Yeah. But, uh, no, I think that's probably what Trump and others will, will bring up at this summit. It's like, okay, we know why you propped him up. You saw that we'll strike and that you're not willing to strike Western forces. And we saw what happened when your so-called not-involved paramilitary outfit attacked a group of special forces soldiers and they got absolutely waxed. Yes. Yeah, so you don't want to really mess with us. We get that you wanted to back Assad. We're fine with that. We're fine with you having a naval base right there in the Mediterranean because we got bases everywhere else. But let's just resolve this thing. And you can keep Crimea, but just stop it with the rest of Ukraine. We'll come up with some deal. And it is weird how Russia is not a superpower anymore. They, I mean, they're still a nuclear power, but their population's dwindling. Paper tiger. And you, I saw some, like, uh, with the World Cup, they ran out of beer. They're not a beer-drinking nation. Right, they put a tax on alcohol in general because of all the alcoholism. Right. And they, no, they drink vodka. Yeah. It's a stereotype that's true. The, the biggest beer-drinking nation in the World Cup currently that's still involved in the World Cup, actually, I might as well go ahead and say, since the beginning of this World Cup, <laughs> has been Czechoslo- or, uh, the Czech Republic. Oh, really? By big beer drinkers? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. They're like number one beer drinker in the world. I say that because I, I, I phrased it a little bit differently earlier because they're still in the World Cup. They knocked out Denmark. Okay, so where are we in the World Cup? I haven't watched it at all. Not out of protest, just I've been listening to all these new wrestling podcasts. And there were great. 32 teams left. We've gone past the group stages, so there were 32 teams left. There will be, as of tomorrow, 16 teams left. No. So that would be the round of 16. The okay. next round after that is the quarterfinals. So the World Cup lasts for months, right? This is a it's several a, it's, month Yeah, it's like thing. two months. Okay. And I heard in the news that Russia just upset the Russian team, just upset somebody. They upset Spain. Wow. They beat Spain? Yeah. Well, Spain beat themselves. Oh. They, Spain, statistically, they, they registered over 1,000 passes. Now tell me, how are you going to have 1,000 passes and only have like three shots on goal? That's ridiculous. One of which was only on frame. Everything else wasn't. Somebody needs to step up. Take yeah. some initiative. Shoot it! Or whatever it is. I don't know the soccer terminology. Well, I mean, Spain, their their style of play, at least going back to Pep Guardiola's Barcelona days, was it's called tiki-taka. <laughs> tiki-taka? Yeah, which is very short, triangle passing. Oh, yeah. Kind of like uh, Jackson and the Bulls and the Lakers. Okay, yeah, yeah triangle the, offense. The, yeah, kind of like that, where basically you're exposing the defense in constant three-on-two situations by making what essentially amounts to triangles. So, and as soon as the defense makes a mistake, you take your shot. Or you take your advantage. 
Well, yeah, but they would they would work that advantage all the way down the field because you know it's 110 yards. Right. So they got a long way to go. So they haven't been able to do that recently. Mm. Um, their and their golden generation is aging and retiring, and Russia had home field advantage. They're just not doing the tiki taka like they used to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who do you think is a favorite at this point of 16 left? Well, Germany's out. They didn't even make it out of the group phase. By the way, at the conference I went to, there's a German guy. He's now the head of Students for Liberty, but he is German. And he's like, oh, we Germans, we don't even, I only get nationalistic during the World Cup. We're very nervous about waving any German flags around because of the whole Nazi thing. Yeah. He actually said that at the conference. Anyway, so Germany's out. Portugal's out. Spain's out. Wow. Argentina is out. Wow. I would say the current two favorites to win the World Cup, as it stands, would be France or Brazil. Hmm. Having said that, there's a second tier beneath that of Belgium, England, and Colombia. England and Colombia play tomorrow. They play each other tomorrow. I would say that that would be the second tier. I would also add um, the Czech Republic in there because... That midfield of Rakitic and Luka Modric is insane, and then the the dark horses would probably be Russia. I yeah. mean, they had a really important call go their way in the second period of extra time. That would make Mother Russia very proud if they won the whole World Cup. Yeah, um, they don't have much to be proud of these days. No, I mean, bogged down in Syria, you're not really doing that much in Ukraine. Yeah, you want to act like you're a player in North Korea in those negotiations. You're not. I mean, they need something. I'd say the best part about this World Cup so far is I've only seen Putin's ugly face once. That's good. He's kind of staying out of it. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I think he understands how polarizing his agenda is. He's a smart man. Yeah, instead it's Medvedev. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, That's what they do. They do the whole switcheroo. Yeah. Because Medvedev does seem like a lackey. He's not as, like, when you see Putin, you're like, okay, strong man. Yeah. And as... <sighs> Putin sleeps upside down in a cocoon of his own wings, whereas <clears throat> Medvedev sleeps in a square box and just lets the gravity drag his uh, jowls down. Right. And it, it makes a nice little square. Right. It's no, good, good for Russian people. That's what the, the Russian people like. I, I need to learn a Russian accent because my brother, Will, has been doing some research into our ancestry. Not like the Ancestry.com or 23andMe stuff. He actually was asking family members, do you have documentation? He was looking into it. Apparently along, we obviously are Polish. We have a bunch of Polish yeah. in there. Mother's maiden name is Skinecki. That's because my great-grandfather, who I had the pleasure of knowing for a little while, uh, was a first-generation immigrant from Poland in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. We're definitely Polish. But he also found that we have some Russian. We definitely have some Russian blood. Predating borders kind of thing? Well, yeah. and that's like, like the, More like in the Caucasus? Yeah, that's the thing when you say you're Polish, too. It's like, are you German? Are you Russian? Are you, are you, you're Polish. <laughs> are, you, are you occupied Poland? Or are you Poland Poland? Well, but then the Polish get all where you kept tr- getting trampled by empires. You go back further enough, they had their own empire. It's true. 
that's what I, I love this like history of oh we're so put upon by these empires like the British Empire trampled us like no Mexico some people in Mexico the United States took most of the prosperous aspects of Mexico is like well yeah Polk did it. it I mean it's just blatant go read the history it's like yeah I don't like conquest sort of philosophies political philosophies but when the guy calls his shot, way before Babe Ruth called a shot for a stupid home run, Polk's like, yep, we're going to take the rest of the continental North America, all the way to the ocean. We're going to do it. One term. I got this. And he did it. That Fremont out there, had Kit Carson out there. It took him a couple more years to take Alaska, though, from the Russians, right? Right. I think they bought it. I think they bought it from the Ruskies. Yeah. And that's how we got the U.S. of... Well, we also took Hawaii and the Philippines. and But you mentioned these this story that's in the news, and it would have been funny if the Brits were playing Thailand in the World Cup. Uh, yeah, but their soccer team is not good. No, they're not? No. They couldn't sniff a World Cup if oh, they tried. Okay. They finished last or second to last in Af- um, excuse me, Asian Cup of Nations kind of thing. Oh, okay. Well... Anyway, Anyway. this young group, a young soccer team in Thailand, Mm -hmm. they apparently were going to explore caves. Yes. And they got lost and stuck. Yeah. I'm not sure if they actually got lost or if there was some inclement weather that caused a rise in the water level. Mm -hmm. So they had to retreat. And what used to be a cave opening that you could walk in was now submerged in water Uh that would, you know, require you to have a an extra set of lungs or a rebreather, some gear. Water, nothing like water, rising water levels to ruin your spelunking expedition. Yeah. Can you imagine that? It'd be terrible. That's Well, I've been to DeSoto Caverns here in the state. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's a great thing to go do and visit. I'm not knocking it. But it's a little creepy, when, especially when they make it pure, true dark, like yeah. pure black. That's a... It's an eerie feeling. Can't see your hand in front of your face? No. Like, literally, can't see me John Cena type of crap? Yeah. Like, John Cena's full of crap. Go visit DeSoto Caverns, John. Mr. Cena, on again, off again with Nikki Bella. What is this? Potato salad. What is this? By the way, I did get into Andrew. You know Andrew. Yeah. I could show up at the house. I'm like, what are you watching? He's like, almost bashfully. Something like when Gimli tears something up. And I'm like, Gimli, what is this torn up napkins? I don't know. I don't know what it is. Andrew kind of bashfully looked and went, I've been watching Total Divas. Like, Total Divas, like the wrestling women's wrestling reality show? Oh, Total Divas? Wow. Like, yeah. And my response wasn't, shame. My response was, can I watch? <laughs> <laughs> I thought of Andrew the other day. Uh, I was listening to this song and I, I thought to myself, wow, this is a really great prog rock riff Mm. and I had never I'd heard the song before I've heard the Beatles sing it you know one is the loneliest number turns out it's Three Dog Night yes Three Dog Night's version of one is that because I was listening to Vanilla Fudge as well they're good that link you sent me I wasn't even a thought when these guys were around but this is like the earliest prog rock band you know I kind of like prog rock stuff so I'm listening to uh, Vanilla Fudge, and then that Three Dog Night song comes on, and I was like, "Oh man, okay, that is a really good progressive rock chord yeah. progression." Well, and Greg Bedell's been teaching me to have respect for these guys because he's been playing 
like all sorts of their stuff. What is it? Uh, what is it? Right here. Come on. Come on. Three dog night. Yes. Let's just fire this bad boy up. Play. You think it's going to be this 60s kind of... His voice, too. Yeah. I think he does more justice to this song than Paul McCartney. Oh, yeah. It's the loneliest number since the number one. I really like how dark that bass is. Me too. Simple guitar chord progression coming up. I think... Man, his vocal, too. He's got range. Dynamism. has been teaching me and before we forget the um, the Thai soccer team boys soccer team was found by two British divers uh, okay and what did the Thai soccer team say when like do you have food do you have water well the apparently the Thai Navy SEALs released the video because the divers had a video camera on them mm. and they were like the British divers were like, how many are you? They said, I think it's 13. Mm. And they were like, you've been here for 10 days. You're very brave. And the, the, the boys were like, we're hungry, we're hungry, we're hungry. Bring food. When can we go home? They said, not today. There's only two of us. We got to get out of here. And we're going to bring a lot more people back. And then the Thai, the Thai soccer players said, where are you from? And they said, England. And the response was, Oh, <laughs> okay. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> Get out of here! This is our cave. <laughs> Don't you dare try to colonize it. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh man! But Greg's been teaching me, Greg Budell, about 
the sixties is probably the greatest decade for modern music. Now I've brought this up because every time somebody says, "Oh, this was the best decade," this is my favorite music. Penn Jillette, you know the magician. Yeah, he has a rule that when somebody asks you what's your favorite song or your favorite album, he says, "Before you answer that." You can't say any music you heard within five years of first losing your virginity. Not allowed. Because when that happens, everything becomes amazing. Like even that stupid mockingjay in the trees. It's like, what a lovely bird. So, you know, we grew up in the 90s, the early aughts. Some great music that came out. Like songs about Jane. I think that's off the list. It's all, that's what I lost my virginity to, so that is <laughs> off the list. Definitely off the list. Within five years of losing my virginity? Mm-hmm. That takes Stadium Arcadium out of it, too. Oh, that's, and not, that, that's not fair. Yeah. That's not... What a... That was Red Hot Chili Peppers' magnum opus. It was a great album. It uh, is a great yeah. album. But I really do think Greg has a point about the 1960s. There's so much diversity... You get the prog rock scene starting, yet you still have the cool kind of British pop scene. You get punk, too. Punk, hard rock. That's, you know, well, I'm stuck on the 70s these days. You get more R&B. R&B? You're getting out of the jazz and the bebop. Sly and the Family Stone is the 60s. James Brown is the 60s. -hmm. Jimi Hendrix is the 60s. Conversely. Credence Clearwater Revival is the 60s. 60s. And that is... It's so good. No. You don't like Credence? Oh, you have an issue. I remember, I'm, I'm done with them, too. No, you're... I, th- it's I, thought, Tom Petty. I knew you were done with Tom Petty. It's Tom Petty, and it's it's CCR. Is it Fogarty himself or the whole band? I think it's Fogarty. You just don't like his raspy pipes? Yeah. Oh, you're a... You're I, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. You're a bit of a sphinx, sir. I heard It Through the Grapevine is a classic. Yeah, it's a great song. I would rather listen to Michael McDonald's what version about of Heard It Through the Grapevine than CCR. How dare you? <laughs> Michael McDonald. Oh, I heard it through the grapevine. You can really feel the much longer would you be mine. Yeah. You'd rather hear that? Yeah. Wow. No, I'll take the Marvin Gaye version. Okay. Don't take Marvin every day, all day. But I, like I said, I've been stuck in the '70s lately. Like with '70s kind of beginnings of hard rock and metal. That's true. But then I'll hear an Otis Redding song, and I'll remember some band that covered it, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, "Oh, Otis, you really are the classics, man." He really is. But I'm gonna have to give you dealer's choice here. We can either this is off 1974's Kiss's debut album. We can either go out to Firehouse or Cold Gin. Firehouse. Firehouse? Yeah. Well, here it is. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Troy's back in the saddle with me. We'll be right back after this quick break. Joey Clark.
Kelly Clark. Again, ladies and gentlemen, Kiss, 1974. The song is Cold Gin. This makes me this makes me want to play some laser tag. I know. It's like this is Kiss when they're really sophisticated. Like it's a song about how when I'm lonely and and I'm tired and cold and poor, just get me some cold gin. I'll be fine. I'll warm up a little bit. I was telling you. Sorry, the song just keeps grabbing me. Off air was telling you about uh, Andrew again. He keeps coming up. He's being shy. He doesn't want to come in the airwaves. But uh, he had this console, like a really just a arcade controller called X Arcade. And think of an old school arcade machine, you know, tower like the ones we would fix at Fun Zone. Yeah. And it's just a big thing that sits on your coffee table and has two joysticks and several buttons and leaving a roller ball in the center if you want to do some like classic golf gaming Mm -hmm. and uh, you can hook it up to an Xbox or an emulator on your computer so last night we were playing NBA Jam Hang Time oh boy with the old arcade setup yeah did you did anybody use the Supersonics Uh, we did actually because they're really good. Because either Peyton or Kemp could just drain threes in that game. Yeah. Uh, Peyton could drain the throw. Well, Stockton could drain some threes with the Utah Jazz. We play with them, too. That's true. And and we're like, where's Michael Jordan? We were turned into kids again into the early 90s. Like, where's Jordan on the Bulls? I see Kukoc. I see Pippen. Where's <laughs> Jordan? And apparently, I looked it up. The creator of NBA Jam said that they, weeks before shipping, had Michael Jordan in the game. And Jordan's marketing team said, "You don't. We have this new exclusive rights deal, so take him out." And this is as of late 2017. The creator of NBA Jam said, "I'm going to go look through my old files and see if I can find the Jordan character. It was in the game, like it was created, ready to go, and maybe he can release it at some point out on the web, and that you could add it to your." So he's your is he using an emulator? Yeah. Was he? Let's see. NBA Jam. Was it a Sega emulator? Mm-hmm. No, we we could we were messing with all of them. Some of the emulators work better with this console than yeah. others. So we were doing a few games. Sega Thirty Two. We're doing the WrestleMania arcade game. Okay. And it's not like current wrestling video games where you have a lot of you know moves based on what you mash. It's literally just like a fighting game in a ring. Yeah. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. Um, but we're mostly using because the Super Nintendo emulator worked the best without any kinks. So it was off the Super Nintendo we were playing NBA Jam. Yeah, I only I only have one emulator, and that's it's a Microsoft DOS emulator. Oh wow! I mean, it's well, I guess it is just DOS. It's called MS DOS Box. I used to play what was it Lemmings, old school Lemmings wow. DOS game. What else? Sitting in my grandfather Ron's lap when I was a little kid, we would kill some Nazis 
Wolfenstein. Yeah? Yeah, old school Wolfenstein. Nice. I uh, I have a lot of LucasArts games, hmm. and not Star Wars, like Full Throttle, uh, Day of the Tentacle. Hmm. Day of the Tentacle, that sounds dirty. Yeah. Uh, there's this game called Relentless, and that, for its time, I felt was like super revolutionary because they had fully articulated 3D animations in live. Like, yeah. Uh, Corridor 7. That that sort of hopped on the Doom Wolfenstein train. Hmm. Well, I, I'm amazed, especially as we we also tried to go back and play some old N64 games with that emulator, like the old rest, WCW and WO, like World Tour. Wow, yeah, and, I remember making characters. Yeah, and it was, it's like, in our lifetime, where graphics have gone, mm-hmm. and just computing power... It's remarkable. I mean, they're still creating games that max out your PC, I suppose. But it's so cool to go back and say, man, we've come a long way in the gaming world in just our life in 20 years. Yeah, for sure. It's um, And it's become almost a new art. Now, you said the reason that you're kind of down on CCR these days. Mafia 3. Mafia 3. What is Mafia 3? Uh, It's a video game. During E3, they had a ton of Microsoft games that were normally like 60 bucks were on sale for like five. So I was like, I'm having that. Okay. Uh, and it's it's the third installment in the Mafia series. Yeah, thus Mafia 3. Yeah. It takes place in uh, New Orleans. Mm. They call it New Bordeaux in the 1960s. And you actually play as a black guy. Mm-hmm. So the language is super colorful. It's like... Quentin Tarantino's dream? Uh, it's... <laughs> it's like, I'm writing for Samuel L. Jackson. I'm allowed to write that. I heard racial names that I didn't even... Like, if I heard them today and had no idea that they had a racial context, I wouldn't have even known. Oh, like different ethnic slurs? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, suffice it to say, as that character, sometimes you grab people. And anytime anybody hit me with one of those racial slurs... You have you usually have the option to kill them or let them live, and if you let them live, you end up getting more money. Oh, but n- not in my world as me playing that character. If they hit me with one of those, you're done. You're done. You're done. So yeah, yeah. And they played a lot of CCR in that game, like on the the radios when you would get in a car. CCR would be on a lot. But there was a lot of Otis Redding. There was Iron Butterfly and Agata Devita. Ooh, yeah. That's in the radio business. I was known as a bathroom song or a go get high song. It's like thirteen minutes. Yeah, it was, when it came out, wasn't it like the longest to ever get airtime or something? Pretty much, yeah. Then there was uh, one of the joys was canned heat. Oh, because it's canned heat is perfect driving music, even if it's in a virtual setting. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. Driving in a bayou, listening to canned heat. Now. I'm sure you're thinking, yeah, what about driving in a bayou listening to CCR? Right. No. Born on the bayou. Yeah. Or, or Bad Moon Rising? Yeah. Uh-uh. You just, you're done with CCR. It, it, it got overplayed on those radios. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's nuts. I'm going to do a show on Thursday. Yeah, this week's going to be nuts with the 4th. It's weird having that day off in the middle. Like, I like having a day off, but it's like, yeah, I'd rather just do the normal week. Yeah, but you told me your day off is going to be filled with chores. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, 
God love them, but our current realtor or realty company that we're renting from, they want to show the house before we move out. Like, we have four guys living in this place. We'll clean it. It'll smell good. But we have a lot of stuff. You sure you don't want to wait? And the comeback, I think, was, well, in your lease, you, we can give you notice and come in within 48 hours whenever we want. I'm like, fine. Okay, don't work with us. We're trying to help you here. You can show it with all our crap in it. And we're in the middle of moving. It's just, ah. Now I'm just frustrated and I forgot my point. <laughs> you don't like the break in the middle of the week. No, I don't like the break in the middle of the week. But Thursday, having on the guy invited me to the FECON, to that conference, Sean Malone. Yeah. And he came out with a video about what he called Hollywood's favorite trope. It's just business. And the point of the video is uh, two main ones. Number one, how much, and there's now neuroscience to back this up, fictional stories, it goes back to Oscar Wilde saying, life imitates art. And even with like modern movie making, modern cinema, and video games to an extent, this is why I brought it up, the fictional stories you consume or watch or take in influence how you think in real life even at a a very subconscious level, uh, to where, okay, it might have been just a movie, but you have, his point is, movies for now over three, four decades, where often there's just the evil businessman trope. And his point is, what is a society where their greatest form of art cinema is constantly portraying businessmen as these evil SOBs who are always cheating? going to do to people when it comes time to actually think about the economy of business. He points out entrepreneurship is still a great word. People on the left, right, whatever, love that word entrepreneurship. But that word business, I think in part because of the art we create, is now associated with just greed and stealing and is that good for society? But the reason I brought it up is the new science showing like, okay, if you watch a movie, you actually will internalize that story and the values if you're really watching, and it will influence how you live your life. So I'm wondering, have you ever had the urge, you know, go snap somebody's neck for calling you uh, the N-word? No, I've, I've, never, <laughs> I've never been called that. Yeah, that's um, good. That's good. I've been called some choice words mm. about, like, a white person. Yeah, but if I called you a honky right now, would you really be that offended? No. No. I'm not. I mean, I guess it, it would depend on how you said it. If you said it in a way that was like, okay, this person is clearly trying to hurt me. Mm-hmm. And if I could articulate that in my mind in that instant, then I would just be sarcastic back to you. Right. Right. Um, but if I couldn't articulate that and I would get frustrated with myself, then I would get, I would be like, well, he called me now. I'm, now I'm pissed. Right. Right. Um, no, I've it like video games have have not made me a more violent person. Right. I think that's well, that's a question that's come up with all the the mass shootings, but I mean, how many millions of people have played, you know, Call of Duty or whatever, Rainbow Six and If anything, they've made me want to explore more. And you can yeah. you, you can ask Aaron or Kyle this when we're playing like an RPG online, yeah. I'm going to explore every pixel of the map. And if you're trying to watch me play, I've got to be the most frustrating player to watch. Because I'll just be walking along and be like, ooh, there's a bush. <laughs> What's underneath the bush? Maybe there's a cave. You're, you're checking out everything. And I, like, <laughs> I do that in life, too. Right. Well, like, no, and I, I think the, these games largely 
not every single one. Some are not good games. It's not well made, and their stories are lacking. But I, I think when you see like the mass shooting, oh, did he play video games? Or like the Columbine guys, did they listen to Marilyn Manson? Like, yeah. But there are people who listen to say Marilyn Manson to find catharsis, and oh, somebody else feels this way, not to make it my anthem. And I don't think there's anything in those songs. Well, at, at some point, you need to ask yourself what is more important, the inspiration for something? If you can truly pin the inspiration of the Columbine shooters on Marilyn Manson. Right, which you can't. But. Which you can't. But let's say you could. What's more important, them listening to Marilyn Manson or the fact that they made it the choice to go to school that day with those guns? Mm-hmm. They made the choice to pull those that trigger. Yep. I mean... The choice is more important. Exactly. Like... Are we not going to take responsibility for this? Right. And, I mean, I and perhaps these researchers are attempting in their own way to take responsibility by showing connections between how human beings filter information and let it inspire their lives. But it, it, it's, I mean, in the world of science, it's all very disconnected. It is. And I don't know. I just, I look at how we try to throw around blame. And let's say, and I'm not for this, you could censor the types of images and literature and movies and video games, like the Chinese government does with their population. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can get rid of evil. Even no. if you always showed people sunshine and lollipops and always a happy ending, no tragedy ever, no violence ever. There, there's a great um, Black Mirror episode uh, in the new season where... This little girl is being... It's a mother with a little girl in a stroller, so very young. And she's being traumatized by, like, the dog that barks at him when they're walking down the street. So the mom goes and gets some implant put in the little girl to where the little girl, anytime her, I guess, cortisone levels go up, stress levels go up, it will make it to where she can't identify the source of stress. So far as the little girl's now like five or six, the episode jumps forward, and she cuts her own finger, and the finger turns blurry, like somebody censored, like boobs on TV. Like, it turns blurry, and the girl gets upset. And the moral of the episode, essentially, is you try to coddle your kids so much to where you say there's no malevolence in the world, there's never any bad what will happen is a very negative response. Yeah. Somebody that will reach down deep and find that evil. Yeah, you're not going to get rid of evil, and perhaps a step lower than that, not in terms of, like, I guess, simpler. Yeah. There's always going to be nefarious things and nefarious thoughts. Yes. Like, even, for example, Stepford Wives or something like that. I mean, that whole situation was just, I won't, I, well, I guess, have you seen it? Stepford Wives? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, but I know the premise of it. Christopher Walken's the robot because his wife, who was the the perfect Stepford wife, Mm -hmm. was like the leading neurosurgeon or something like that. She makes him into a robot so that he can go tell all these husbands to make their wives into the perfect wives. And she was slowly going to transition to where the wives would be robots, and then she would add the husbands as robots, and then it would just be the perfect thing. Mm. But the people in the story are like, this is really weird. Like, there's something weird going on here. Yeah, we don't feel right. Well, it's like, it's a line they say in the first Matrix. It's like the machines, while harvesting the people for energy, we tried to make the Matrix as perfect utopia. You didn't respond well to it. (laughs) 
So we made it like, you know, the modern world around the turn of the 20th century or the 21st century. And I think there's it's a weird truth to wrestle with that there is the attempt to get rid of all evil and bad in the world often ends up unleashing even worse evil in the world. Yeah. And I mean, you see this in the hellish example of like the Soviet Union. Their goals weren't like all just oh we want to kill millions of people. That wasn't Stalin and Mao's goal. No, it was just a lot easier than keeping them fed. Exactly. So it, it kind of boils down to the easy way out. Is it easier to ban people from being able to think and say certain things than it is to clean up the mess or mm-hmm. teach people how to handle those situations? For like sure. you mentioned Oscar Wilde saying life imitates art. Mm-hmm. I would like to know the year he said that because then? he had some, some people that blackmailed him. They they like intercepted a letter he sent to his gay lover. Yeah, Bosey. Yeah. And what did he do? He turned it into a poem. Yeah. And they came to him and they were like, we're going to tell everybody that you're gay. And he was like, you can go ahead and do that. I just published that letter as a poem. Well, it might be. Is that the letter he wrote from jail? I'm not sure. That's probably De Profundis, which is a remarkable piece of writing and introspection. It also turned out to be a lot different than the actual letter that he sent. Right. Um, um, but it's still uh, remarkable. Now, he probably is writing that in eight, late 1880s, no, late 1890s, so turn of the 20th century. Good, good times. Yeah, yeah, great times. Well, and that was a time to rebel. I mean, because you had this Victorian Puritan society in England. I think we've gone the other way, where it's kind of like, all right, everybody knows you're edgy and different. Like, you're some fox other kin, gender-bending, you know, good for you. But, like, can't we have some things in common here? I don't think people are doing that. I think a lot, I think you and I would like that for that to be the case. But instead, I think it's just driving a wedge further between All us. the different groups. Yeah. Refusing to see the other person's perspective. Well, but I think at the bottom of identity politics, and it's not just identity politics of the left. I think the right has their own version of identity politics. I think at the bottom of all these different tribal groups, if you really follow the logic, is individualism. Be an individual, but they don't exist in a vacuum. So we have some things in common that we can share and have a conversation about. But they want them to exist in a vacuum. (laughs) Or at least that's that's what their actions are dictating. You're going to create a lot of lonely people then. Yeah. And actually, I think that's what we've done. We've created a lot of lonely people in this world. Like... We say, oh, you know, be an individual, but don't don't be the, a particular type. You know, let everybody else... D- <laughs> yeah, individualism is defined by everybody else must cater to me and what I want. That's a dangerous way of thinking about the world. Yeah. It's not going to end well. Look, why, we have callers. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I hope it didn't ruffle some feathers. It's probably going to be about video games. It might be. Let's see who this is. News talk, you're on the air. This is 42. Hey, 42. We don't have much time, but what's up, ma'am? Oh, uh, yeah. I was talking about the... I wanted to just call and chime in on the video game situation. Yeah. Uh, people are talking about violent video games being responsible for the school shooting. And I, my opinion is, I've played Mario before, but I've never felt the need to run outside to go jump on the turtle's head before. I'll say that. I, I appreciate it. I agree with you. Like, I've and never tried to... Do- 
I've never tried to jump into pipes or anything like that either. Just yeah. go out and eat mushrooms. In all Call of Duty games, you're based in the military. You're not just a gangster going outside to shoot people rest of the Except for Black Ops, but yeah. No, Black Ops. You're still in the Army. In a way. CIA. Yeah, kind of, kind of, it's blurry. Yeah. But I, it doesn't really... No, I see. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've made the point, 42. Because, yeah, I've played a lot of video games. It didn't... Well, thank you for the calls. Uh, I, I will say, playing Grand Theft Auto, if you drive a lot in that game, and you go actually drive in the real life, you got to remember, real life, idiot. Do not run that light. Yeah. Do not speed. Yeah. Because your brain does, if you play for hours on end. Yeah. it's it, Well, with The Sims, it's like, mm. you know... You, you you play The Sims a whole bunch, and then you wonder, why don't people build their fences to where it takes like six hours to get out of the fence? <laughs> news talk. You're on there. Who's this? Well, basically what you guys are saying is we're raising a generation of people that we're trying to color and keep them secured away from things. Then when they meet real life, they don't know how to handle real life. Amen. Especially because the people that are teaching the generation oftentimes than not since they have a different perspective they if they haven't raised a child themselves they will just do anything mm. and the yeah. child doesn't know how to react to that with only with what they were taught so they react by saying okay i'm gonna distance myself from you that kind right. of stuff we gotta keep we gotta keep them real keep everything real don't try to color cover it don't try to color code it because when they meet the real world it's not gonna be the same way no malevolence is real it is very real. It's not the only thing, though. That's another extreme. But thank you for the call. I think that was Urbanite. I like that guy. I like that guy a lot. We're out of time. You know, it all boils down to balance, doesn't it? It does. Temperance. Prudence. It takes work, too. It's not just talking at somebody. Yeah, it's not all easy. No, it's not. It's gonna fail. We're going out with the love theme from KISS. Again, off 1974 self-titled album, debut album. Thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow night. Maybe with 42's dad, 84. Who knows? Joey Clark.